Panel Talks. I'm Wendy Amato, your host, and as often as I can, I speak with education leaders about things that are important related to teaching and learning. Today, my guest is Wyatt Gordon. He's Senior Vice President at Pearson View and also Head of Evaluation Systems. Wyatt, welcome. Hi, thanks, Wendy. Thanks for having me. I want to talk about important things with you because your vantage point in the education community is significant. Tell me about evaluation systems. What do you do in that world? Yeah, so at evaluation systems, we develop largely uh, teacher licensure assessments uh, that teachers take when they want to become professionals or become certified in their field. And in particular, we focus on developing uh, custom tests for states that have uh, custom needs. Essentially, we align uh, the assessments that we create for teachers with state policy goals to ensure that states are meeting the needs of various stakeholders uh, in, inside of their state. But we also provide uh, you know, lots of other services having to, to do with test preparation um, and uh, scoring and reporting services as well. Some people feel like testing is a, a, a barrier. How do we help people understand that testing is about ensuring quality? You know, it's a, it's a good question. You know, one of the things that, uh, that we try to do is to uh, help folks to recognize that when we provide licensure tests to states, we're not aiming to develop measures that indicate teacher effectiveness five or 10 years down the road. These are really tests of minimum competency that teachers need to, uh, to take and pass in order to prove that they won't do harm to children in the classroom uh, when they enter on day one. And that's really, really important. So, um, you know, we have sometimes been uh, characterized uh, as a barrier to teachers entering the profession, but we've really focused on students and our ability to help teachers provide support for students in the classroom on day one. What should people understand about the term minimum competency? Minimum competency is, is really about what a just qualified teacher candidate needs to know and be able to do to provide effective instruction and to make sure that students are uh, continuing on their path to learning uh, for, the, for their particular grade level or the, for their particular subject. For a person exploring teaching as perhaps a career change or a, a new career, you would offer support for them in content area specifics as well as instructional strategies? So, so that's right. So currently we have, um, we have assessments that that uh, span the range of both subject matter assessments and also pedagogical assessments. And so we also provide test preparation for subject matter assessments and pedagogical assessments. You know, one of the things that we've been very focused on and take very seriously is our responsibility in helping candidates to prepare to, um, to understand what they need to know to be successful in the classroom. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we, that we are working on over the next couple of years is expanding our test preparation resources to include learning courses that help teachers uh, learn not only the content they need to understand on the test, but uh, all the content that they need to know in order to be a successful teacher, including pedagogical content and pedagogical theory. Are you gonna put traditional ed programs out of business, Wyatt Gordon? I, I don't see it that way. I think you know, <laughs> what we're trying to do is supplement uh, traditional programs. You know, they, they do a great job uh, in um, helping candidates prepare to become teachers. What we wanna do is help remediate and fill in the gaps uh, where people are struggling or having, you know, having trouble. 
So are we talking now about educative assessments? Well, we're getting closer. So, you know, a learning course could be an educative assessment if uh, sort of um, designed in the right way. Uh, you know, educative assessments is something that, you know, we've been exploring, or some people call it assessment for learning. It's really the idea that the assessments themselves should be learning experiences, but also then used for summative outcome, right? How do we, how do we provide a score, a passing score, a failing score, um, while also providing a learning opportunity at the same time? And, you know, that, that gets it to, to the heart at, um, you know, overcoming the, the discussion about testing as a barrier. How do we become part of the answer rather than um, a potential problem? Can you talk me through the experience of taking a test? Let's imagine I'm a first timer. Sure. So, uh, you know, our candidates go onto our website. They look at their state requirements for licensure. They select the assessments that they need to uh, take, and then they register for them. At that time, they're able to select a date and time for testing. They can either test inside of a test center. At Pearson View, we have test centers all over the world that candidates are able to utilize. Or um, recently we launched uh, what we call online proctoring, which is a, a version of testing that you can do at home on, you know, on basically you know, Zoom or Teams, just like uh, you, know, you and I are talking right now. Um, you schedule for a later date, and then at that time you show up, you take your tests. Typically those tests are proctored either in person or um, remotely through Zoom or, or Teams. Um, and uh, you receive a score once you're, once you're done testing. In some states, those scores are given immediately. In other states, uh, there's a bit of a lag, maybe a two-week period. Um, but those scores typically uh, tell you whether you um, you pass or fail the assessment, as as well as some feedback on you know what you can improve on based on the different domains or subcategories that are being tested. If you are working to make information easier to consume, what are the dials that you can turn? You know, it's, it's so interesting, uh, you know, in the testing industry, we tend to do this thing where we have um, what are called test bulletins or test registration bulletins. And they're these long, like 50, 60 page PDFs that we that we typically give to candidates and say, hey, read all this stuff and you prepare go through a testing experience. I know, I know. So one of the conversations we have been having is, you know, how do we utilize uh, new tools like generative AI to say, oh, and chatbots, you know, to say, okay, we're going to give you the information you need when you need it uh, and based on queries that you have. So it becomes less of a check the box activity and more of an exploration for candidates uh, that really need critical information at critical times. Um, but admittedly, you know, that's, that's something that, um, you know, we need to work on and we've been focused on. Does this mean when I come to Pearson seeking licensure that you're not going to throw a huge dump truck full of practice questions at me that I may be able to navigate the the areas I need most? I, that's what we're working on. So, you know, one of my core beliefs is while we offer many different uh, what we call interactive practice tests across every test that we uh, develop and deliver, you know, we have to grapple with engagement and motivation and, um, and allowing folks, uh, you know, protect prospective teachers to engage in activities that are both interesting, informative, and prepare them at the same time. So when we talk about new types of preparation, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're headed. 
you know, in, instead of getting 500 questions and just working your way through them, right, with an, with an answer, maybe a short explanation, you know, how do you provide a little bit of, a little bit more instruction? How do you provide more um, uh, engagement, more scaffolding that helps you to understand where you are and where you need to go? When I hear you talk about preparing teachers, I'm hearing a lot of the same language that teachers use when they think about their own students and is reassuring to me that you've got those priorities in mind. Let's talk about students. If, if preparing a good teacher means putting a good teacher in front of students, how do you, how do you ensure that you're getting all the way through to the learners in the classrooms? You know, that's, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, while we have always focused at evaluation systems and other teacher licensure companies on the front end of the teacher journey, that is the entry to the classroom. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of professional development, remediation training that occurs during a teacher's, uh, you know, during their time as a, as a teacher while they're in the classroom. Um, one of our major partners, the, the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards, really focuses on what it means to be a, an expert teacher, right, a master teacher, and how teachers are able to grow throughout their careers um, in teaching. I, I will say that, you know, states have done uh, a nice job providing those professional development opportunities in districts around, uh, around the country. But what we haven't really done is provide a through course model of understanding how teachers are growing in the same way that we do students, right? So through course testing for students has become more popular in the last, I don't know, five, five to 10 years. Um, in addition to, you know, our, our continued acceptance of uh, and reliance on summative scores, uh, we should be looking at the same thing for teachers. It's something that we're beginning to explore and kind of kick around a little bit. And, you know, I don't know that it will look exactly like a student model, but it may, you know, it may, uh, it may approximate it or it may be something completely different. We know a lot about adult learning and certainly there are things that need to be considered differently in the andragogical model, <laughs> if that's what people are going to focus on. Um, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of um, thinking about career paths and teacher evolution and development. Maybe an interesting topic for people to hear about and learn from through you is how a, a, a current day teacher, a, a presently licensed teacher might use evaluation systems or additional licensures and certificates to grow professionally. Do you have thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. So typically the role that we play uh, with practicing teachers is, you know, as teachers are in the classroom and, and they're teaching in a particular subject area, they have opportunities to come back and uh, take a licensure assessment and become endorsed, endorsed in, a diff, in additional subject areas. So um, let's say you're teaching biology um, and you're certified to teach biology in a high school um, in the state that you, uh, you're teaching in. You could come back and take a chemistry test um, and become endorsed in that so you're able to teach that in your high school as well. That's a typical role that, that we play. Um, but there, you know, there may be other ways that we're um, able to participate and, you know, th those are things that we're thinking about also. I love that. It, there are some certificates or licensures that seem naturally adjacent to others, and it, it seems welcoming to bring experienced educators through doorways into uh, expanded areas. Well, well, that's right. And, you know, there are lots of states right now that are actually... I should back up. In, in the past, it used to be that, um, you know, teachers were teachers and there was one position, you were a teacher, and then you became an administrator. 
possibly. Possibly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but, you know, there's lots of states that are now uh, creating new teacher roles, right? Um, so you have um, entry-level teacher residencies um, where you're able to build skills with a, with a, uh, with a, a fully certified teacher in the classroom. Um, and then the states are creating different sort of levels and pathways, paraprofessional pathways. And, um, you know, the, the teaching roles are kind of proliferating at this point as a response to the teacher shortage. You know, we are now trying to align our licensure structure instead of being focused just at that point of professional practice to all the different ways that states are um, creating and staffing instructors and teachers um, across the country. You and I have acknowledged that there are changes in the education community. What kinds of changes are you seeing most? All, all the changes in our industry right now, or most of them, are focused on responding to teacher shortages. And it's a really complex problem because, um, you know, while we talk a lot about this massive teacher shortage, there's a lot of nuance in the discussion. Um, the sh most shortages in, in most states are limited to particular subject areas or particular regions of the state. Um, and because as educators, we haven't created uh, connected databases that are really salient in terms of answering the question of where shortages are occurring, we, we have limited insight into where those shortages are. And our policy responses aren't necessarily targeted to the issues that are actually occurring on the ground. Um, that, you know, that's a major issue. So we've seen states um, create lots of new creative pathways into, into teaching, right? Alternate routes and alternate pathways, but also try to create new flexibilities in their model um, in terms of getting teachers into the, into the classroom, albeit through teacher licensure, traditional testing, or um, other types of alt route uh, preparation. I think the issue becomes is that, you know, until we have the data to have a comprehensive view of the teacher workforce, it's very difficult to understand what the impacts are of these policies and whether we're actually making a difference. Uh, I'll give you a, a, a bit of an example. Um, you know, during COVID, lots of students left public schools. They went to either private schools or homeschooling or some virtual classrooms. Yes. Um, and they haven't returned. Many of them haven't returned. And so uh, in many districts around the country, schools are actually closing uh, and, you know, fewer teachers are needed to staff those schools. Uh, our, our response to the teacher shortage has not yet incorporated those nuances. We're still kind of running around, um, you know, trying to figure out how to staff classrooms because we're, you know, we have lagging indicators and lagging data of where our teachers are. Um, until we have a better view or a real time view, it's going to be very difficult for us to respond uh, um, accurately. Here we are at the end of the first quarter of a new year, and uh, we may be looking at data that's a year and a half old. Correct. That's absolutely right. That that's trouble. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's true for any industry. And and I think there's been a resistance in the past to looking at um, teachers as a as a workforce. You know, similar to nurses or doctors or you know any profession, but but they are. Um, and they serve a purpose, which is to help students learn. And so, we, you know, we have to have a bit of rigor around how we collect data, how we um, analyze that data, and then how we act on it. Teacher shortage isn't a new concept. Why is it getting so much attention today? You, you know, it's interesting. Um, it, 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 it's not a new concept. In fact, we've had shortages in many key subject areas 
We've also had shortages of diverse educators um, for many years. Uh, I think, you know, COVID really exacerbated the issue and uh, really pushed all of us to think about, you know, how we, how we respond and if we should respond to, you know, the workforce issues that we've, we've known have existed for a while. And so, you know, to states, to their credit, have responded and many of them been, have been very creative in, in, in their responses. I know we can't get into the varying state policy um, responses that we've seen over time, but let's talk a little bit about how evaluation systems at Pearson supports the varying needs across our country. Yeah, so, you know, what we say internally at evaluation systems is that, you know, we, we meet states where they are. And so, you know, our process is to try to understand the state's policy goals. You know, what is the state trying to accomplish through their teacher licensure uh, program and through their student assessment program? And then we try to narrowly tailor our assessments, but also the wraparound services around those assessments to the goals of the state. And so from our perspective, you know, we know that we've, um, that we've been successful when our clients feel as if they are making progress against the goals um, that they have and that uh, policymakers in the state have. I'd like to shift the conversation a little bit, Wyatt, and ask if you can help me help educators um, maybe dispel some myths or, or uh, humor me with a myth buster about assessment or about Pearson or about evaluation. Yeah, I, you know, one of the myth, myth busters I mentioned earlier, which is that uh, that teacher testing uh, teacher licensure testing as it exists now is focused on teacher effectiveness, particularly the the potential of teachers to be great teachers in the future. That, that's not really our focus, although, you know, it, it can, perhaps it should be. Um, but our focus is on ensuring that students are taken care of in the classroom uh, on day one and on day 365, right? That teachers are able to enter a classroom in their first year and deliver the content knowledge and pedagogic, pedagogical knowledge that students need to, um, to understand on the content side and uh, that they need in order to learn on the pedagogical side. Okay, uh, so it's not predictive. It's not predictive, no, no. But what do you say when someone elbows you in the ribs and says, come on, Wyatt, you've got so much data. Can't you slice it in a way that helps us understand which measures are especially important for long-time success or significant impact? I, I would say that we can develop measures to that end, and perhaps we should, uh, but, but we haven't yet. And you know, I think that's something that we're looking at in the future. One of the one of the analogies I like to use is the driving test, right? Everyone goes and they take a driving test. Some take a driving course, like a long, you know, couple week driving course. And then you take this, you know, four or five hour test. You have a, you have a multiple choice element and then you have a performance element of your driving test. All that test measures is whether or not you can drive at a minimum level. It doesn't measure whether you're going to be able to drive NASCAR in the future or whether, <laughs> whether there might be some other, you know, uh, something that happens five or 10 years down the line that impairs your ability to drive. Right? Great analogy. That one, that one's about as straightforward as, as, uh, as you can get to help people understand what you're trying to do and, and what your priority is right now. Right. right. Well, 
you know, may, maybe, you know, like driving tests, maybe driving tests should also be focused on future efficacy and be predictive of future performance. But, you know, it, the fact is for teachers, we want to make sure that A, we're getting an adequate number of capable teachers in the classroom, and we're giving those teachers an opportunity to grow in the future, just like, just like drivers, right? You want to get folks on the road and give them the opportunity to improve their driving as they progress. Wyatt, let's pause here and let me extend my appreciation to you for joining me in a conversation to educators, potential educators and school leaders across the country. Thank you for listening to us. If you'd like to learn more about Pearson View or Evaluation Systems or Wyatt Gordon, please check out the show notes at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. And whatever listening app you're using, please be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you, and I'll see you again soon. Thank you.